0: We are living in someone's false ARG, this is what the Great Reset is, they're just creating what they want the next story to be. And we also are seeing the revealing right now to understand how this this, this realm works so that we can walk through it with, with greater awareness and consciousness. So then going back to the whole thing of like, you know, why does mysticism work, why is is synchronicity important, why is looking at rivers, looking at where you are important, because that is a baseline reality, which is deeper than the ARG. You are going to connect to something. That is the human experience.
1: Hey, Uncle Mike, how are you?
0: Mark, how did you get this number?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, you can't, can't keep things away from me for very long, Mike. I have my ways of finding out.
0: Obviously so. Obviously so. How are you, my friend?
1: <laughs> All right. We had a little hiatus. This episode will be coming out off schedule, but I took the time to to do some more research and, and went on a hike yesterday.
0: So things have been good. First off, I apologize for having to reschedule our normal time and place, but sometimes life gets in the way. So I also appreciate your flexibility. I'm excited to talk today. And so, what happened on your hike, which you went to in instead of our previous, instead of us talking that previous day?
1: Well, before we get to that, did you happen to hear about this tragic bouncy house thing? No, what, that happened in the news.
0: Bring me up to date. I with oh, the bouncy house tragedy. <laughs> the bounce,
1: The bouncy house tragedy. So the reason mm-hmm. I bring this up is because. This happened in Australia and I was in the other room when my mom was telling my girlfriend about this news story. So I just overheard and I didn't hear that it was in Australia. I thought she said Pennsylvania. So like for a good hour, I'm thinking, geez, is that, was that the emergency that Mike had to deal yeah. with the the bouncy house cast- catastrophe? And then I realized it was in Australia, but it's actually not that funny as it sounds. It, some kids uh, got swept away in a bouncy house and, and yeah, it didn't end well, so. But,
0: well, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. So it, it, it's not as funny as it sounds. So whenever you hear bouncy house and tragedy, I don't think you could ever think that it's going to end end, end well. But then what exactly happened?
1: Huge gust of wind picked up this in, unsecured bouncy house that happened to have like five or ten kids jumping around in it and the the bouncy house got lifted ninety feet in the air and yeah
0: ninety feet in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so ninety feet in the air is like like that's nine stories. So think about a nine a nine story building. Yeah. Being pulled like <laughs> being pulled up that is the imagine if that was your child. Imagine being that child. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So then it came down, and were there survivors?
1: Yeah, not, uh, you know, fortunately not everybody passed. But, yeah, I mean, how you survive something like that, It it's tough. I mean, again, uh, I only thought it was funny because I'm like, did this happen in Pennsylvania? And then I'm like, oh, no, Australia, phew, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. You,
0: You were thinking that I was one of the first responders. That's when when something like this would happen. Like the the community would gather and they would reach out to me, or I would be in that that, the 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 crowd of capable emergency responders to 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 respond to such an event. I I I I feel humbled that you would think of me in such high regard.
1: At the very least, I thought you would be observing the sky from your back porch and maybe see this uh, bouncy house flying through the sky and and run and save the day but but yeah it was um, it was an odd odd thing to hear in the news it reminded me of that thing like 10 years ago where that boy his father put him in like a mylar balloon and then they tried to hoax the whole country and and said it was like a an alien ship that took his son away do you remember that story
0: i kind of remember that story
1: That's what it reminded me of, but yeah. Again, I I overheard this story through through a wall, so I didn't get all the details right. But but yeah, it
0: it doesn't matter. That's how our that's how this game which we play works. So I want to can can I run with this for a little bit? Yeah. So, so when you said that, when you said that, this is what what popped in my mind was I was literally imagining when you said 90, when you said 90 feet, like that's, that's not. And then you you said there were survivors and all of that. I'm like, wow, that's, if you were a child and you go through that, that's really, really going to change the trajectory of your inner world for the rest of your life. No doubt. but but even without that, what it made me think of, and I'm going to tell you the story. And I don't know if maybe the story just ends here. Maybe this brings somewhere else. But 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 there was a story I heard once. So this is like I don't know. Let's say 15 years ago. 15 years ago, uh, me and my then wife, we we took a trip out to to Jackson Hole, and that's in Wyoming. And we took a on that trip, we took a a white water rafting sort of trip by like a local river guide. And the guy told me this story and was the craziest story for like a, a variety of reasons. But the long and the short of it, there was, a, there was a local guide who was bringing up a bunch of climbers to the peak of, I want to say it's the Grand Tetons. I think that's the mountain which, which everyone climbs in that area. But the guy was leading some people up and a whole bunch of other experienced people were coming down the mountain. They're like, "Listen, you, you know, there's all these this this talk of a storm coming up. This is not the time to go up." they guy's like, oh, I'm going to take him, Everything's going to be fine." So long and the short of it, they climb up to the top of the mountain or get somewhere pretty high up, and a lightning bolt hits the group. Hits the group, and their guide, their guide was was thrown off of the face of the mountain and fell to his death. Wow. Okay. So first off is that like you know that that level right there like that blew my mind when I heard that. I was like you're gonna die, let's assume. Let's assume you're gonna die at some point as a human being. I was like, if you're gonna die, that's the way you want to go out. Like that's the <laughs> sort of thing which like you know, like not only struck by lightning but struck by lightning and blown off of a blown off of a mountain and and you had a whole bunch of people who witnessed and survived it. So like this story, that story has like legs and legendary quality or legendary roots which can grow from it. But, but that's not the reason why the, the the river guy who was telling the story had shared the story. So he was telling the story because apparently a whole bunch of celebrities lived in the general area. And one of these celebrities is or was Harrison Ford. you know who Harrison Ford is? Of course. Of course. So Harrison Ford apparently is is and and I hope that there's someone who maybe is listening who actually knows this to be true because I'm telling this to the best of my ability or my memory. And I think that everything I'm stating is accurate, but you know there's a chance it's not. But okay. So Harrison Ford is is a local there and he is also a a skilled pilot. And he and he has volunteered for their emergency rescue, you know, team or what have you, and Harrison Ford got the call. He got the call of this like really unusual event where there was a bunch of hikers stuck up on the mountain, and they don't have the ability to necessarily get down without the the help of their guide, who's now dead and who like you know was was blown off by by a, a, a lightning bolt. So then Harrison Ford, and it was a really dangerous mission. Like it wasn't an easy thing to do. I don't know how to fly a plane or maybe it was a helicopter. Who knows? I would imagine this would be more of a helicopter sc- scenario, but somehow Harrison Ford was the guy who came and saved all of these hikers who saved all of these hikers. <laughs> and when I heard that story, I'm just thinking like, I'm like, are you literally telling me that Han Solo, like this man who is known around the world as the the, the the guy, the world's greatest like Indiana um, Jones. Pirate. Oh yeah, and, and Indiana Jones. And I'm like, and then this becomes the story. And I was always like, you know, it comes it came back to me. It came back to me. Now I know where we're gonna leave the story back in. It came it came to me at that time was like, you know, the whole question, like what what creates life? You know, how how did this guy who's known so well, like very few people on Earth are known throughout the world by and then in a particular way, like, you know, in an actor's role And Harrison Ford, definitely has that with Han Solo and Indiana Jones. And then to have an experience like that, which is, uh, you know, how many people have something like that? One out of 10 million actually have that and where they they are flying a helicopter to to, to <laughs> save people in a one in a million experience. And so it, it, it begs the question in my mind after like the excitement of hearing that fun sort of story is like, what comes first, you know, the story, the belief, the identification, and then the experiences. So you can then go and, and step into that. Or was it the other way around? Like this guy is just wired that way and he's just going to be Han Solo and Indiana Jones in every theater in which his life plays out. In. Right. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought the bouncy house would have gotten us there? <laughs> yeah. And the, the
1: metaverse presentation that I rewatched, that was a big concept was like this idea of what reality are you in? And will you even be able to discern the reality that you're in? And, and that may even become like a, a, very, very important skill that we'll need to have the ability to, to say like, Oh, I'm in a virtual reality space right now, you know? And to your point, how that connects to Harrison Ford, it seems like whatever choices he's made, he is very clearly in a action hero reality, even, you know, when he's (laughs) offset.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It's funny. I, I think it was Chris Knowles who, at least in my mind for, for me, like first kind of introduced that idea of he was the one who wrote the book. I think our, our gods wear spandex yep. or, and, and so that whole idea of, of people or, you know, human beings stepping into these archetypes in these roles, is, you know, and that, in that idea just being, you know, the superhero sort of movies, but, but but yeah, like Harrison Ford, like how he was selected and high, cast, I guess, if you will. It's an interesting word when you think about it in terms of Hollywood, to cast someone in a role. But then they become it. Or do they know, and that's why they're selected? Probably a combo of both.
1: Yeah, I definitely think there's some some lineage that plays into that. And I've seen posts online where they're like, look – this actor it was alive in the 1800s and they show like a picture and it's like Nicolas Cage in 2005 uh, next to a like a clearly a picture taken in the 1800s and the man looks exactly the same.
0: I love those. <laughs> I love to look at those. I think
1: Nicolas Cage is the, the most infamous like time traveling actor.
0: And I think I saw a preview for a film which is coming out, and I think it—I I think it's called the best Nicolas Cage film ever, something like that. But it's Nicolas Cage stars in it, but it seems to be this very kind of tongue-in-cheek movie making fun of Nicolas Cage and all of his, his, you know, the way he's thought of as as an actor or the roles he plays, and yeah, it's it's uh, he he definitely is an interesting one, and I and I don't know. So so let me let me link this, and and then I want to hear what what, what you got to say. So this is what I want to go with that Harrison Ford story. So something very strange happened in the last week. All right. All right. So I'll begin it this way. I've been I've been like talking for I don't know six weeks now about my missing Herkimer diamond and then finding the Herkimer diamond, all these sort of things. I'm looking at it from like from all of these different sort of perspectives regardless of what those perspectives are, but I'm doing that. Like I'm putting a lot of like mental exercise around that. So probably the last we spoke, you know, I was like, oh, I my my, my, the diamond and it came right after I I did this and all this sort of thing. So, okay. I think it was last weekend, last weekend. I went to like one of those like maker markets sales and, and someone I, I'm talking to a vendor there who's really talented, really talented with like making jewelry and wraps and all that sort of stuff. And I'm talking to her and she just kind of mentions, not necessarily knowing how much it would resonate with me about the fact that they found a new type of Herkimer diamond. Right. And I and I was like, what? Because in my world, you know, the way I experience life, you know, my markers for things that have meaning, like a Herkimer diamond, is really interesting. And I just went through this entire experience of like lost and found. Like, regardless of what that was, like I did have whatever I thought it could have been. I definitely objectively put more emotional and mental energy into this topic than I have probably for a while. And so this new type of Herkma, which what I, from what I've gathered after doing research, after speaking with her had been, had been, I think, discovered in 2019, in 2019. So it's not like, it's not like this just happened, but what did just happen is it came into my awareness. And so Whereas the Herkimer Diamond, uh, where we think of where the Herkimers are found is, I don't know, like, you know, 15, 20 miles away from the source location of the Susquehanna River, which is why I link the two. But it is not right on it as it sits currently but these Herkimer's have been found inside or in the river, like actually partly, you know, in the, the, the geography uh, or geology in which the river is flowing upon. And they don't look exactly like Herkimer's. And if you, have, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you haven't seen them, like I think there's only one, one thing I found online which showed pictures or it had a video of it and what they look like. And what it it looks like, it looks a lot like a Herkimer, except it's smoky as opposed to this water clarity in which most Herkimer diamonds are. So... If you're familiar with how I like to talk about the Susquehanna River and and the stones, both the Herkimer diamonds and then the the jet black anthracite, which is found near the Scranton area, I, I talk about the, the the stones possibly being more than just stones. So we 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 can't. We're so limited in our thought that we don't necessarily think about it that way. And I talk about them maybe in a in a context in which. Joseph Smith used his black stone and white stone as related to his decoding of the golden tablets, which became then the Church of the Latter-day Saints. So I've talked about stones and black stones and clear stones and all of this sort of stuff in the past, and then what happens is, right after I lose my Herkimer diamond, they found one, and they found a new type of stone in the river, midpoint between where the anthracite would be and where the Herkimer diamond would be. And it is a combination, if you will, a Herkimer with now an infusion of, of, of a, of a darker color. So when I saw that, it's the second time this has happened. The first time with, with the John Smith map of Virginia, but I'm like, There's only a handful of people in the world that this would make sense to or would really resonate with, you know, the Herkimer and the colors and all of this sort of stuff in the Susquehanna. And I have to ask myself, I'm like, what became, what became first? You know, was it my interest in talking about these sort of things? And then does reality then unfold around it? Or was I talking about it because that part of reality is unfolding?
1: Yeah, it's like last time we talked. I I had that uh, thought came to mind of like, you know, your words vibrating into that cave like in a cartoon kind of way. The wall shake and some Herkimer diamonds fall out and start rolling and make their journey towards the river.
0: <laughs> well, <coughs> it definitely made me want to go back to the Wall of Destiny. I'll tell you that. Okay. Because I wanted to go and see that with, with a greater confidence isn't necessarily the right word, but, but like with a greater, like, well, I'll use confidence that, that my sense is when I'm drawn to, to something that there's, there's going to be more to it. So I wanted to go back and look at it again because that began just in the same sense as all of the other things. Right. So that's what's going on. How about you? (laughs) Well, I
1: did find it's interesting. I found a wall that not quite as big as the wall of destiny, but Tara and I were on a hike yesterday in a part of Connecticut. That's pretty rural, but it's in the, the more wealthy part of the state. So there's a bunch of mansions Mm -hmm. interspersed in like rural sort of areas. Mm -hmm. So we're driving along and I see this golf course and I see this ridge line and I just get this sort of feeling like, hmm, something interesting is over there. So we pull a U-turn, come back around and park in this parking lot and just make our way up this sort of hill that goes over a ridge. And then on the other side of the ridge, there were lots of rocks, you know, and I've been talking to a friend who listens to the show Shout out to Rob, who has been helping me identify a lot of these rocks so I don't have to just call them stones and I can sort of properly identify them. But yeah, it was a great hike. We found these large stone rows, probably the tallest I've seen yet, like four feet high, and they were interlaced, which means the sunlight comes through. They're not perfectly stacked and the wind can blow through them as well. And it was interesting because as we're going along these stone rows, we find what looked like a really, I don't want to say ancient because it could have been built at any time. But it was a bridge that was built with entirely of stone. And there was this very ancient looking channel underneath the bridge. And again, entirely made out of stone. So the, the area that we're entering just feels different. It feels sort of like it has its own aura.
0: Can can I ask a question? Go ahead. So when you say the, the, when you talk about the bridge, is it beyond any doubt or, or or could there be a dispute whether it's naturally occurring or was done by, done purposely and consciously by, by someone or something like Uh, how obvious of a bridge is this? It's like, yeah, this was a man-made bridge. This is definitely like laid by human beings or someone, or it's like, this is something which I can see this as like, oh, death like I can't say for certain, but it certainly it all signs point to.
1: Right. You know, it, it's a little bit of bolt, but I would it's more likely that it was built by somebody just because of the squareness obvious. of the channel. OK,
0: that's what I mean. So it's got a very it's got like clear markers that this is. Beyond just a nat, this is very unlikely that was just naturally occurring. Right, right, right. Okay, good, 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 good,
1: good. Now the bridge itself was sort of hard to notice. You'd kind of have to like look f- for the channel underneath it. Otherwise, you might just think you're on an ex, you know, a raised piece of land. But either way, we're heading up towards this hilly area with lots of stone ledges, and we start climbing up stones and looking around at the big rocks, and we find this stone wall sort of similar to the wall of destiny but it has this big big crack going right down the center in a diagonal sort of way and inside this crack it's about half a foot wide so you can stick your hand in there and i was sticking a flashlight in to see what was in there and i find this rock with a symbol painted on it and i'm like what the heck so i take my finger my thumbnail and I kind of like scraped the the symbol a little bit and it gave way. So I, I figure it's paint or maybe even some sort of dye, but yeah, it was really strange. I'm going to send you the picture. Um, yeah,
0: definitely send the pictures. How, right how, so, okay. So I'll look at them when you send it So keep going with uh, describing this or the experience.
1: So the rock, you know, it was not, it was not out like, it wasn't facing. The symbol wasn't facing us. You know, I just picked up the rock because it was a different color than the rest of the, the wall. And when I did, I noticed this little black symbol painted on it. It almost looks like the, the logo for the YMCA or something. That was the first thought that came to mind. But then when I shared the photo with the Telegram group, some people said it looked like Coco Pelly. Uh, our friend Gabe, who was on the show a couple episodes back, said it, you know, he posted this picture of a guy with two flutes in his noses. It kind of does look like that. It looks like someone's using a flute or even shouting, but it's a strange little, like, I don't know the right word to describe it. Like it, it's, it's like a human symbol kind of has got like the, that like, what what do they call that language that the, that they use for signs, not sign language, but like the, like the logo ology of, uh, of the little man icons, you know, they'll have like a crossing the street, you know, or, or bus stop. And they show you like a, a little symbol of a man and it's a stick figure, right? A stick figure. I guess that's the, the best term. Everybody knows what I mean by stick figure. So it kind of looks like a stick figure drawing uh, a little thicker than, than your average stick figure and a little more with made with an eye for design, you know, like it's not, just like a, a rudimentary stick figure, it's it's done well.
0: I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, what the hell is that? And it almost looks like and an you, X. Oh, so, so I want to go. Yeah, it definitely has. There, there's a. So, you found this inside what?
1: I'll send you the picture of it. It's a it's a wall. similar to the wall of destiny. And but, I
0: can see, is it what I see in the background of the image which you sent me?
1: Yeah, that's the that's the bottom of it. I just sent you the the whole wall when I was standing like five feet away from it. But it's a large wall. It's a si- It's as tall as me. So it's it's. But the proper term is ledge, right? It's a rock ledge. So
0: and that and this was in a crevice in in between some of the the rocks.
1: Yeah, the second picture I sent you, and both of these pictures will be in the episode uh, artwork for folks who want to check that out right now. If you look in this big rock there's like sort of a crack that goes diagonally from the top to the bottom and there's an there's a rock in there that's kind of off color that's the rock that i pulled out
0: the lower one or the the
1: higher one the lower one right sort of in the center gotcha huh and keep in mind this is near a trail but not on the trail so this is and this is not a popular hiking spot either it's like sort of behind a golf course and off of a very, like people in this county. You know, I'm not from the county we're in. They all have very expensive cars and they all drive them very fast. So th- this is not the type of road where you're just kind of moseying along and pulling over. You know, it's it's kind of like a not a highway, but there's another term for it, byway or something like that. So it's not exactly a recreational spot that a lot of people frequent it was just interesting to find
0: this painted symbol there you know it is fascinating i'm looking at this i'm looking at the rock itself and those those the the cracks in it
1: right and the whole the whole landscape feels like the rocks all were tumbled over 30 degrees because a lot of the cracks you would assume were one at one point going up and down, or oriented towards the sky.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: And and every single rock in this sort of forest is like adjusted on that same thirty degree angle, as if like the land was raised, or there was an earthquake, or something. But yeah, it's very very curious area. There's some vernal pools in the, that
0: same area. So so what brought you to this rock again? What were you doing? You were with your friend? <laughs> no, I was with your- Tara. You're with Tara, you're with Tara, and you're like, we're going to go on a hike, and then why did you choose here if this isn't like the normal place where people would go for, for recreational pursuits?
1: That's a great question. Well, we were on our way. Tara just was like, let's go for a hike, and it's usually on me to, to find a place that we've never been to before. And we happen to be in this area that we don't go to a lot, so I just kept my eyes open. And when I saw there was a golf course, I thought, hmm, that's interesting because I've – I don't remember exactly where I read this, but I read something a few years ago that said that like golf courses and mounds have a strange connection. I don't know if it was uh, a podcast or if it was like a, what it was, but somebody was making the speculation that golf courses have like some sort of weird connection to sacred.
0: Spirit. Ross says that mentions that a lot. Not it very nerd, well could that's have been where Ross. You came from, or if it was someone else, but yes, I've, I've, and it makes sense. It makes sense. So you saw there was a golf course. So you're an exclusive part of, of Connecticut. And you're like, Hey, there's a golf course, probably an exclusive golf course. I'm going to go and I'm going to trespass and I'm going to find the secret sites. Is that correct? <laughs> am I, am I restating? Am, am I saying that at all corrected as to how it unfolded?
1: No, 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 no. So the, the oh, golf okay. course, see, all right, this is a good opportunity for me to explain how my mind works. So, when I'm driving, I usually just keep my eyes open for the the stone rows and I'm looking at them because they're everywhere, at least in this state, they're everywhere. So I'm looking. So
0: it's like all of the cars that are around you and the pedestrians, you see through them and you're like, you're not even paying attention to that. You're looking for the stone walls.
1: Right. And then, and especially in an area like this. I
0: will not, don't remind me not to get in the car with you. <laughs> Go on, please. I'm sorry. i just teased you.
1: So, and especially in this area, because, you know, it's an older town in the state. There's a big concentration of wealth there. And Can you tell me the town? Yeah, or it's, it's a, secret. No, it's not secret. It's in Easton, Connecticut, which is north of Fairfield, Connecticut, which is one of the, you know, Gold Coast towns, right? So the Greenwich to Fairfield, that's kind of like the the movers and shakers of Connecticut. It's not limited to there by any means, but that is like the wealthy New Yorker kind of Connecticut area. So up north of there, it's very rural. And like I said, a lot of big properties, you know, gates at the driveway, that sort of thing. So to me, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think like this is becoming the, the thesis for what I've been <laughs> researching is like, there's something to this energy and, and wealthy people for better or worse, you know, whether they know it or not have gravitated to certain areas and maybe that energy that's in that area contributes to that state state that their life is in. I don't know. Just a theory. I, I
0: mean, there's, I'm a, there's definitely a correlation. How could there not be? Right. How could there not be? But like, so let, let, I got to ask you a question ahead. real quick. I received an order for some bags this week. And it's from someone from Eastern Connecticut, and I'm wondering if it's like a friend of yours, and that's why, like, or no. is that just? So yeah, so I I got it December thirteenth, six forty-five. <laughs> I got the shipping address to send four bags and a book to an address in eastern connecticut i'm gonna go send you i'll send you privately mark the uh the screenshot of what we're talking about so okay i'm really interested to see how close this is to where to where you got you got your uh, wow
1: so right so the the hairs are kind of staying on the back of my neck because i i you know i have that feeling and i'm you know I'm a blue collar kid. My dad works for the water company. My mom's freelance, you know, so I do have to like check my bias when I'm looking into these things because there is a part of me that's like, F these rich people, you know, what are they up to? But then there's that other part of me that's like, no, 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 like they're human beings, you're human beings, you know, you can, you can reach that same state potentially if you did things right, you know, and I don't know, that's kind of like the the weird economic philosophical battle that's going on in my mind constantly being in a state like this, but there's got to be something more to it, I think. And the stone rows, strangely enough, these stone walls in this neighborhood were immense. You know, they were, they're all over the place and they're very large, big stone in the stone rows too, which is always something I look for. Cause it's just, it stands out, you know, stones that you can pick up with your hand and, and place. Okay. Less interesting than when you see a stone row that has several hundred pound boulders.
0: Yeah, big, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right, so that's what I'm looking for. And then the other interesting thing that stands out is when these stone rows go up hills. Because some of these hills are so steep, it's like, again, you're not just throwing these rocks on the ground. You need you need a horse, a donkey, a machine, you know, something to, or, or multiple men to place these stones. So we, we go we select the hiking spot for multiple reasons. I hope I wasn't just rambling, but that those were kind of the reasons. The golf course also seems to be like an indicator of something
0: strange. But the hiking you know, trail you was a hiking of, trail. Do you know the name of either the golf course and or the or the the park or the the na- nature preserve you went to?
1: Yeah, it's the I think it's the Easton Land Trust. Eastern
0: land trust. Easton.
1: No, no, hold on. Let me get it right. So it's right next to the Connecticut golf club and it's the town of Easton. It's one of their land trusts. So I think they have, you know, most towns have these land trusts. It's not one particular area. There might be multiple land trusts in a town. So
0: I don't know. So So the Connecticut golf club and they have a, an address or a black rock Connecticut. Does that sound right? Right. Like it looks very close. Okay. So, so BlackRock.
1: Uh, very interesting term. And I was on the Black Rock Turnpike. And Turnpike was the word that I was looking for before. Not byway. It's a turnpike. So people are trying to drive fast. It's not a sightseeing
0: road. You get what I'm saying? Right. So, so I I sent you a picture of I sent you a picture of the email which I received with the address where to mail the stuff. And then I'm looking at it on Google Maps right now. I just pulled that up. And it's 3.8 miles from the Connecticut Golf Club. Oh, my. Wow. So, <laughs> yes. So, I
1: was drawn there totally randomly yesterday. I mean, okay. we only went to that area because Tara had to go to the DMV. And then we ended up going to a coffee shop and then just said, you know what, I don't want to go on the highway. I'm going to go north because – it's a very, anyways. I don't want to get into
0: traffic, but so fifty eight. <laughs> I've been around there. I don't want to deal. I I can't handle traffic anymore. I, me neither. Like, I, I don't, don't want know what to it be is near it. I, and I used to it used to not get me like. And I've been wondering, is it me or something? Like, is that an indication of shifting of things which are part of a certain way of being? Like, like you're no longer part of it. You can't even stand it. But but I hear you about the traffic. So go on. Go yeah,
1: on. we. I mean, we could spend a whole whole two hours talking about just that and all the little idiosyncrasies I have with that but so the Connecticut Golf Club and I didn't realize this before I just kind of again you know I'm just driving I'm in the moment I'm in the present and I'm looking for things uh, that would indicate something odd or unusual worth investigating so I find this hiking spot we go for a hike and then we end up Finding these strange rocks, we find not only those, but we find quartz sort of outcroppings in the leaves on top of this hill, and I found some nice little quartz crystals that I could wrap. So it was an interesting, interesting area, a little unique. It's in between this golf club and a big reservoir, the Sagatuck Reservoir. So it's an interesting area. And then as we're leaving, I. You know, finish the hike, the sun's setting. I look at the map and I see that there's a place called the Old Indian Cemetery only 400 feet down the road. So this whole time we were walking around a place with all these stones and it's, I mean, not exactly the Indian Cemetery, but it was, you know, conceivably before the road was there and the houses were there, it would have been the same area you know so it's very very interesting that we're led there randomly and this type of stone that i've seen many times in the forest and it's always stood out to me it's like a pale white very white stone not quite quartz looking almost a little milkier than that and they always have these like i don't know if it's a type of mold or fungus but they always have these black spots on them it might even be a part of the rock itself But they they look very much like a yin-yang, you know, very white with like these black circles on them. And they tend to be at the base of trees. And I find one. I take a picture of it. And then sure enough, when I'm looking on Google as we're leaving at this old Indian cemetery, one of the only pictures that they have of the place is of this same type of rock. And I'm going to send it to you. See if you've seen it before but it's like this it's it's hard to explain cuz it almost looks like the the black on the rock is not in the rock itself it looks like again like an like a, a lichen or something so you know that being said there's several different strange indications of you know us being in a sacred place rather than just a homogeneous forest i mean not that all forests don't have the potential to be sacred but there is this certain like profane space versus sacred space and i'm starting to i think figure out the landscape features that indicate this you know these rocks these stone rows certain hills golf courses even
0: (laughs) so i would say based upon the accumulation of our conversations, Mark, like obviously you guys have it individually, but together there's like a, there's a homing device, which you and Tara have, and it brings you to something, whether it's the used bookstore to find the book or whether it's, it's, it's the spot, but, but that's the real thing. It's like, you guys have, you have a a great, highly attuned sensor for, you know, what, I wouldn't limit it to just saying sacred space, but for something that's calling you in that Mm -hmm. works through like that type of energy, because this is a, this is a consistent theme in our conversations. And, but, but it changes like it changes from the natural world to like a bookstore to the, this and the, that, but we could see the consistency is like, I don't know why I was there. It's just drawn there. Or maybe another way which we could even see it, say it is that you have a certain lens or way of, of interacting and or perceiving with the outer reality that no matter where you are, you're going to find like whatever is spiking highest on, you know, whatever your, your internal meter is that you're, what you're reading. So no matter what is it's, 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 it's cool to, to, to witness, but I also want to encourage you to like really trust your instincts. So like wherever you are, like, what am I looking for? Like, what is around here? What is called me? I don't know. It could be anything. It could be a person. It could be a rock. It could be a book.
1: I Yeah, I agree. And I agree with the first part about Tara having having a big part of it, and more than she realizes. I know she's going to listen to this, but she definitely feels a little bit left out when I have these conversations and I try to remind her, but yeah, I don't know if she would like us talking about her either. (laughs) Now that I think about it, but it is interesting when it comes to finding things. I actually, I got in touch with these guys this week who are sort of like documentarians, I think. And they're, they're covering this mystery that, I don't want to say it was the first rabbit hole that I ever went down as it really wasn't at all, but it was the first time I ever stumbled across something where I was like, I cannot explain this. And it brought me into some strange realms. So I have to ask you, have you ever heard of the Toynbee tiles?
0: Toynbee tiles, Toynbee, Toynbee. No, no, I don't. I'm trying to, I know the name Toynbee. I want to say that. that whether it's the same Toynbee or not, he's written... He's an yes. author. Is it Alfred Toynbee? Is it's it, Arthur Toynbee. It like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, yes.
1: So these are these are the Toynbee tiles get that name from the author, you're right, even though he had nothing to do with them and, and, and died many, many years before they were ever created. This man who's never quite been identified allegedly was inspired by Arthur Toynbee's book, where he talks about a scientific way to reanimate the dead on planet Jupiter. Okay? This is the contents of this Toynbee book. And this mysterious man who's made all this strange artwork that's all over the streets of Philadelphia, New York City, and there's a lot of copycat artists. That's what I found. I found one of the copycat tiles. But, yeah, it's, it's strange because the original Tyler, he has all of these quotes and every tile. And when I say the word tile for folks who aren't picturing this, imagine like a a square the size of a license plate of like this vinyl kind of soft plasticky looking vinyl material that gets basically pasted onto the street, like the asphalt and the way they do this is they throw it down in layers and the top layer which is black gets peeled away, peeled away, peeled away and then their artwork is revealed. Have I talked to you about this before, Mike? As I'm explaining, I feel like I've explained this before.
0: Not to me, but I'm looking I'm looking at them right now. Right. So And the the what they look like I know I've seen before. So but I don't remember this being the story. So this is kind of new for me. So this is this is good. So keep going. So what you're seeing, if
1: you look up Toynbee tiles, and I definitely think everybody should Google it or DuckDuckGo, whatever, find some images of these. They all have the same quote around in the center, and then there'll be like other words in the sidebar areas. And what unfolded with these tiles is this whole story that this artist is kind of putting together with these little sidebar notes because the same message that makes up the majority of the tile is there in every tile. It says Toynbee idea in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. So you have a couple things going on. He's he's referencing Stanley Kubrick and the 2001 movie. He's referencing again that Toynbee book with the Toynbee idea, but also the Resurrecting Dead on uh, Planet Jupiter. That was a big theme in this book, but also there's the The scenes in the movie 2001, I think it ended up being Saturn and not Jupiter, but Mm -hmm. that was part of the inspiration behind this artist and the tiles. And like the little messages that I, I keep mentioning, like they're very strange, sometimes threatening, but they all have something to do with like journalists and the truth. And it's like this odd, like conspiracy theory sort of messaging, but Theory itself is not obvious, nor is it consistent. But you get this theme that comes out through all these different tiles. And they're, you know, totally an enigma because the the tiles just get placed in in streets, you know, and people find them. And sometimes they get destroyed and, and you can't see what the message actually was. So there's a lot of mystery and sort of this same in the same vein of what we talk about with, you know, me going around and looking for strange stuff. This Toynbee tile mystery is very much like an urban hide and seek kind of go and find these messages all over the, the road. I found them when I went to Philly the first time because I've been interested in this Toynbee stuff for like four or five years. But I first found one in New Haven and I found all of the ones in New Haven, realized that they were made by a copycat. And then I was like, oh, well, I got to go find some ones in New York City. And, and uh, so I went to New York City. And then for other reasons, I was in Philadelphia, so I looked around for some Toynbee tiles. But they're very strange and kind of cool. Like, as an artist, you know, if I knew how to do this, I would probably spend some time making a couple of them just to try it.
0: Yeah. So, well, so why you said you were, you're were you talking to a guy who's documenting them? How, how do we get to the Toynbee tiles?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess we get to it because of what you mentioned about just finding things and like having a sort of Mm. intuition. And and this was Mm -hmm. the first in this was the first time I ever really started on something like that. Back in 2016, you know, I was walking down the street in New Haven, just kind of like in a pretty bad moment in my life. And I'm crossing the street, looking down at the street and I find one of these tiles. I'm like, what is that? You know, I take a picture of it and. I found a couple more, but the reason I brought it up and why it's relevant to now is because I I reached out to somebody who recently took this whole mystery and made like a a website where you can um go and find this interactive map of all the different tiles that have been located and if you find one you can you know, submit your your tile that you found and so it's it's interesting how it's kinda taking off a couple years later and at a time when, you know, now I have a, a place to talk about this kind of stuff because back then I remember being so like I don't want to say alone in it but I remember finding one and looking up at like the other person crossing the street and being like hey check this out have you ever seen this and the person just kind of like halfway in fear like what is this person trying to talk to me about you know right, just like right. dismayed and confused but I was so you know at that age I was so like sort of isolated in my interest that that it did kind of you know, it didn't really go anywhere. And now that I, now that I have a podcast where I could talk about this stuff for whatever reason, I, it came back to mind two days ago. And that's when I looked up to see if, see if anybody was out there who I could talk to about it, you know, somebody who maybe wrote something about it and sure enough, yeah, there's some people who made a new website about it.
0: So you're going to go, they're going to be on your shelf.
1: Well, I can't say that. They haven't responded uh, to gotcha. my message but, yet, okay. so we'll see. So, Fingers so crossed. So it's
0: interesting, so with, with, with Toynbee, but, but probably the better cultural reference point would be Kubrick, right? Exactly. Like more people know Kubrick than they do know Toynbee, and both names are mentioned on this tile, uh, right?
1: And why it was even more interesting that it came up this week was because I just watched your Metaverse presentation again, and I was like, you know, kind of taking a more detailed look at it and the part that you mentioned about Kubrick and that how the movie that he was going to make AI was supposed to reveal all this stuff. And then, you know, Steven Spielberg ends up taking it over. You know, I thought that was fascinating that those two things kind of came up synchronistically in the same week for me.
0: Well, I, I was going to go with that. All, all, I think it's kind of funny that, that it is known as the Toynbee as opposed to the Kubrick tiles. But, but I understand because that's also the first name on there. But with the Kubrick, what, what this, this, the, I guess you could call it culture jamming is, is another word which kind of describes these, these introduction of something into culture, society, which is meant to confuse people or, or excite them or intrigue them, whatever but that's what like the, the cultural jamming kind of idea means. Was it last year that all of the, there was like a lot of talk of the the monoliths right. that would show up? No, so I think it was this year. Was it this year? I don't know anymore because time doesn't, <laughs> you know, I I really can't tell. Like I don't, I have a very difficult time you separating know. this year from last year, but, but put those together because those monoliths, are a Kubrick indicator yeah, because they are from 2001 Space Odyssey. So this is my encouragement to you because, you know, this is coming up in our show, is I would, if I were to talk to these folks and they're building these interactive maps, like what overlap this with the other Kubrick symbol? Like there's a similarity in this cultural jamming utilizing, uh, Kubrick, which I find curious and I would be interested into more to learn more, but then even more so like, I like this idea. I don't know if this is actually what's happening, but I certainly like this as an idea of like people or ourselves or some, something, someone is communicating through our reality. They're trying to get our attention with stuff like this. And when we're talking about like you naturally pick it up or whatever I naturally pick up or whatever the, if, if you're listening to this show, you do the same thing. There's no other reason to be listening to this. Otherwise you'd be watching like Three's company reruns. And so, so you would, you know, this is like another way to begin to, to like dial in what that thing is because right now, you know, as is indicated in that metaverse video as indicated in so many topics that you and I have discussed these past couple months is that like the the stuff's shifting. And, and again, like what reality are you in? You know, is there something bleeding through, which is getting our attention? What, who, what could that be? And to be able to, to walk that, that thread, that, that tight rope, without becoming like nuts about it, because it's very close to being nuts, or maybe those nuts people were always right, but no one just ever believed them, but being able to to discern it, maybe to become good with discerning with these subtle signs and indication, and looking at their showing up at this moment as being more than just coincidental, but significant to what's going on. That's how I like to approach it.
1: Yeah, no, I... That's why I wanted to bring this up with you because I knew you'd have something to add to this. But
0: yeah, I so, th- mean. so that's the homework when you, you got to get the guy on your show, maybe he comes <laughs> with the show, who knows? But then ask him about how that could overlap like, drop that in. I'd be curious. But yeah. you brought up something which I want to loop back to. Can I loop back to something which you brought up a little bit earlier? Please, yeah. All right. So this has to go back to when this has to go back to when you mentioned the what was it called? The Old Indian Cemetery. Is that what? Right. What, what Yeah. So that's a really good indication. You see that you want to go and explore that for whatever reason. But nonetheless, yesterday, yesterday I was I was running some errands with Jenny and we passed by Lancaster has a bunch of historic cemeteries. And there's one which I've never been to. And it is the location of the of where James Buchanan was buried. James Buchanan being the president of the United States, the guy who's always listed as the worst president of the United States. But anyway, I was like, I want to go check out this thing. We're driving by. It was a beautiful day, like 60 degrees out, Pennsylvania winter, and. We drive through the cemetery. We're looking for couldn't find Buchanan's grave. Saw so all these like really really interesting like you know normal things which you expect to see in cemeteries. And not to say that I've spent a lot of time in cemeteries, but I'm intrigued by them. So, but I but the point being is there's a point of reference. So we're driving through this place. We're looking through the James Buchanan where he where he was buried, and then I saw. A, I saw a headstone unlike anything I have ever, ever seen. And unfortunately, I didn't have a means to take a picture. And I might go back there today and take a picture because I'm about to go uh, pick up uh, one of my sons and I'm going to drive through there. But it was a headstone which has just had me. I've been thinking this type of, of my internal dialogue in the past 24 hours is very similar to this conversation you and I are having but it's all around like, what the hell is this headstone? Like, why Mm -hmm. was I draw? I didn't see Buchanan. That's not what pulled me in, but that headstone, I got out of the card. So can I describe this headstone for you?
1: Yeah, please do. All
0: right. All right. So you've been to a graveyard before, right?
1: Yeah. I even have a a book that I got a month or two ago about headstones and all the, about
0: headstones. Okay. Oh, maybe you're okay. Okay. You got the resource. I'm going to describe what I saw. So, most headstones, there's a certain kind of look, right? Right, and you could tell, like one of the headstones for like someone who at least assumed to be quite wealthy based upon the size and the and the the prestige of the headstone. Some are very simple, simple, but they all, for the most part, are like granite which has been carved, right? All right, uh, and so this is this is a prominent cemetery filled with prominent Lancaster names that I still recognize to this day, primarily in the second half of the 1800s to, like, contemporary times. Like, that's the time period. And it's a wealthy cemetery. There's a lot of, like, fancy-looking traditional gravestones. So in the midst of all of this, there's this gravestone, like, just next to all of the other normal ones. And it, there's a mound, the mound's about three feet high, maybe like it's, the base of it is three feet, like three feet in diameter or across, but it kind of goes up to not exactly a point, but there's a, there, it's angled, it's truncated on, on all of the sides. But I can't tell what it is. It kind of looks like, it looks as if someone were to go and maybe stack logs in this way, but then cover it with concrete. It's not completely covered. I, I have no idea what the material is, if it's wood or if it's or if it's stone or, or a stone byproduct, but it's it's hard and it's solid and it's purposeful. On the very top of this 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 mound is a it's the trunk of a tree. And it's a trunk of a tree which has been carefully and artistically cut. so it's it's in the the proportions of the Christian cross. Like it looks like a very traditional Christian monument for being a Christian. like you know, a cross made out of a tree. but and the 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 diameter of the center or the primary vertical vertical portion of this cross maybe about like four or five inches in diameter. like so it's like that big and then there's this cross and it is right on top of this 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 base and it's attached and it looks like I have no idea. it could be a hundred years old, it could be ten years old, it could be a thousand years old. It looks like nothing anywhere else in the cemetery and then there's this one added thing which really has me like you know intrigued by it so on the space where i'm of uncertain uncertainty as to the material of it there is a like a poured concrete form like there was a form and you poured the the concrete in it and hardened and what it looks like is like a scroll like a old fashioned piece of paper. And it's, it's in, in relief, meaning there's, there's, it's not two dimensional, it's three dimensional, but it's all made of concrete. And on this scroll, which is obviously like, you know, made by however you like made by man, there's nothing natural. Everything else, which I described to you looks like it's like very natural. This is not, this is very obvious that it's from concrete. And then on this scroll is where all of the birth information of the person is on, like, and they carved into this, this 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 scroll. But it's all washed away. If you've ever seen an old headstone where you can tell that there are letters there, but you can't make them out because they've washed away, right. it has that feel. So, in the middle of this very grandiose, very very traditional cemetery. There is the most naturalistic but obviously done on purpose headstone in a cross in the middle of it with a marker, with a name marker, which you cannot read. And there's no indication as to what it is, why it's there or anything around it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So is, do you have the title of the cemetery? Is it the Lancaster Rural Cemetery? Oh, no,
0: no. I think it's. I, are you looking right now? I'm trying to look, computer? but I found one so in Lancaster, called, New York. I think it's. I think it's called Woodmont. If you type in Lancaster Cemetery, it's going to pull you into the into the into the city. And say you're saying Woodmont?
1: I think it's Woodmont because that is the borough I grew up in,
0: Woodmont. Woodmont. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <that's> gonna, <laughs> A little coincidence or synchronicity there. All right, let's go. This is going to be fun because we're going to be on. I'm, I'm going to go. I got to go pick up one of my boys from school and I'm going to be on the phone with you. Woodward. So it's Woodward Hill. W O O D W A R D. Let me see if well, they let me know. You can't get in there with uh, Google Earth. Well, I'm going to take a picture of it because I want you, because it seems very, very, to me, very tied into the general the, the the general occurrences which you're describing this like something is calling there's and your interest or attention I don't know why I'm there but I'm there and then what is it that I am to find what is this rock what is this symbol painted on the rock what is this this cemetery you said you got the rock symbol yesterday yes and that was when I I did mine, so that's even more more of an interesting more of an interesting connection because it was probably around like I don't know two o'clock two p.m. yesterday that I was in that cemetery. So I don't mm. know what time you were doing yours.
1: Yeah, no, yesterday afternoon we were around two p.m. We were probably still in the coffee shop, but yeah, it was uh, it was that afternoon. And the other strange, unless you have more to add to this, no, no more. So. You remember the coyote I saw in a sachem's head, right? Mm-hmm. This trickster idea keeps coming up, not just when we're traveling and going places, but just you know, throughout our our daily conversations. When I keep seeing this trickster symbol everywhere, I'm like, what is going on? You know, like what? Because now it's not now it's not as fun as it was originally. Okay. Yeah. So. So yeah, I keep seeing the trickster sign, and then that that symbol on the rock. We didn't think of it as a trickster, but then when I shared it in the Telegram, everybody was like, "Oh, it's Coco Pelli. It looks like Coco Pelli." So that might be true. I also took my thumbnail to the paint, and it it came off. So it wasn't like embedded in the rock. It was right.
0: It looks like it's obviously painted.
1: Yeah, it was fairly recent, but it could have been. I mean. It, could have been like who knows? It could have been like uh, black berries, you know, some kind of like organ- ancient paint. You know, I don't know. I don't want to like totally say it's modern. Who knows? It could have been there for a long time. It could have been there for two hundred years. You know, could be like. I
0: almost, I almost feel like the time of that does the the rock, having seen what you showed me well, of like the the image, the time of when it was painted seems secondary to the fact that you found it and it's just friggin' weird. Like it's in that, in that wall, Mm. like whether that was done last week, like why the hell were they putting that in the wall? What is that symbol? What is that wall? What is that area? Like to the point you were making, which is, you know, you'll, you'll often see particularly established, not necessarily like, you know, new subdivisions, but like established, wealthy or affluent communities tend to be built on the most desirable of land. Right. And so what desirable, what determines desirable can vary. Like it could be views or it could be, it usually is views, you know, or like access to something uh, beautiful and of value, like oceanfront property or lakefront property or like really good views on a mountain, something like that, lesser extremes within, you know, less extreme environments, but, but that's in a, a valuable place. And so who's putting that there? Like, what is that? What's going on there? What is, what is being, what is, what is being communicated? Because that was a very purposeful, done symbol, whatever it may be.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's in a strange area. The, the golf course definitely adds to that sort of land value. And I remember when I had a job as a groundskeeper, like my first job ever before I even had a license to drive, I was a groundskeeper on this golf course. And that was one of the more enjoyable jobs I've ever had. And I don't like golf. I don't like landscaping, but there's just something, there's something mystical about being out on the the course, especially in the morning when, you know, there weren't a lot of golfers out. It was really, it was really interesting, but yeah, that's, that's stuck with me. And, you know, going to this area, the other thing that comes to mind, you know, from what I've researched is the native Americans that live there, had a, a very hard time with the Mohawk Native Americans who would kind of just like roam and take tribute from them, right? They would go on these like big missions from their home base and and, and go to other people's territory and, and steal from them and, and bully them and, and, you know, kill them if they didn't get what they wanted. So it is a, a formidable area, like what you were just saying about the extremes, because... You know, the people that lived in this area, because they had to deal with those Mohawk invasions, they had, you know, a lot of forts on these mountains in the Berkshires and yeah. in the sort of Appalachian. So, yeah, I think it's appealing for sure. Historically, you know, it's been a place where people have survived against, you know, seemingly you know the mohawks would be like the most dangerous badass group in this area you know so right they they even have like a a legendary status still to this day because they were so like remembered for their ferocity and the fact that this group of people that thrived in the same area that i was exploring you know were able to you know successfully stave off the Mohawks because of the land, you know, that just adds to the point you're making. Like this is an area where people have, have been able to fortify themselves.
0: All right. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to downshift right now. I got, I got something I want to throw on you. Cool. All right. So I'm going to make this as a suggestion and you can, uh, you've seen, you know, what mission impossible is right. Right. And you know, like that dude is like offered the opportunity. like, you know, you can go and accept this mission or not. <laughs> and so that's what I'm doing right now. Like I'm not like, you know, there's no strings attached. You decide whether you do this or not. But this is what I suggest. That's a bizarre symbol. It's a bizarre symbol. And particularly as you're talking about in the relative past history of the area of possibly needing to have some degree of protection If you live there, you know from from dangerous forces. We have that a lot here in in Lancaster. A little bit different, but same sort of idea. There was often sigils. Or you know there was there was folk magic which was done to protect an area or protect things that are hidden in rocks. So I don't know if that's a sigil. I don't know what that is. But maybe it was maybe it's something that was put out as I said before. Like you know maybe there's like another breakaway community, a breakaway civilization, putting that out for you to find. I don't know. So that's where the risk comes is we don't know. But what I would suggest to you is over the next week begin to draw that. Like get that symbol in your nervous system. You get in your nervous system by drawing it or anything where you're replicating it by looking at it with your eyes and then it going through your muscular and your skeletal system and your nervous system to going to recreate that, whether that's with a pencil or whether that's with paint or what have you, nonetheless, it gets in your nervous system. And then maybe like, you know, be open to meditating or dreaming on it and then with, 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 with the, desire to know what is the symbol about who put it there and all those sort of things, all those sort of questions that would be the, the mission opportunity, which I present to you because I'm very curious about this. This is a crazy story.
1: All right. And I'm going to add another level of weirdness to it right now. Cause okay. you, so this sigil, I, I said how I kind of took my thumbnail and chipped a little paint off of it. Okay. So, I'm I'm particular about my nails. I don't know if that makes me weird, but I take like a a toothpick sometimes, and I'll just clean out from underneath my nails because they've been growing too long lately, and I really ought to just start clipping them. But either way, that aside, I could have sworn I took the paint chip out from under my nail in the woods. Well, as I'm sitting at my desk last night, I looked down at my nail, and there's like a black splotch underneath my nail. So I go and I kind of like removed it. Like, all right, that's weird, you know. Clean my nail. A couple hours later, I look down, and the black splotch is back. And I'm like, "What is? What is there? Something on my desk? Is this ash? You know, because I, sometimes I smoke at my desk. But I'm like, what? You know, where is this coming from? And now that you said what you just said, and I didn't, you know, now that I've really kind of th- thought it over. I didn't really make this connection until now, but it kind of looks like a person shouting, like they're exclaiming something like their hands are up in the air. Their legs are in like a wide position, like they're, you know, astonished or something. And there's like two lines coming from where their mouth would be to me, you know, given that this area was a place where people were running, you know, hiding from Mohawks. I mean, could be, you know, part of that, you know, they were, it's like a warning, a warning tower. But then again, maybe it's a sigil. I mean, but, I found it odd that the paint kind of was on my nail more than once. And I don't, I mean, it might not have been paint the second two times. It might have been something else. And I'm just uh, unclean, but I thought that was strange.
0: I would definitely play with all of those sort of possibilities of what it could be. And either write on it. Like if you know what kind of what they call automatic writing is, it's just kind of like right stream of consciousness of what you think it is. of like, what would it be if, if I were to go and communicate something to myself from another dimension through a painted rock using the symbol, what would I be communicating? And then you start writing. Don't think just write. And you know, this is how you can tap into that level. If this was a message from, the previous, from the previous people who lived in this area to communicate to me at this time, what would they be communicating? Mm. See what comes up. Right. But definitely draw it. Think about it because the fact that you found that the fact, and it wasn't really that hidden. Like you showed me, you showed the picture, like it was meant to be found.
1: Right. It was in a place where you would naturally be like, Oh, what's in here? You know, it's a, it's a, a big rock. If you walk by it, you're going to look at it. And then you'll, you'll definitely see this sort of like a, almost like a lightning bolt shaped crack, you know, it kind of juts and makes like a little ledge, you know, that's horizontal. And then the other two portions of the crack are are vertical, but yeah, it was, it was shoved right in the center portion of the, of the crack of the rock. So yeah, I I mean what it means, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of like little things I've been noticing with trees that are good indicators of what may have happened in the area of the forest at, like with logging and, and quarries and all these sorts of, you know, things that went down at least in new England, a couple hundred years ago, you know, and to us, you know, seeing how the forest has regrown, it might not be obvious that like, Oh, at one point all of these trees were not here because they logged them all. And this is a new forest, you know? I don't think, right? you know, a lot of people make that connection because, I mean, nature, I don't know if you saw that show that they used to play, I think it was on Discovery Channel, where they show all, how what cities would look like if there are no people in it in 100, 200 years, how, how quickly nature could possibly, you know, reclaim. Heat it up. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. So there's so much. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm rambling because there is so much... That i still don't know and i'm just trying to like put all the connections or the points out there and let the connections come afterwards so if anybody's listening and they're like oh mark that's this you know please don't hesitate let let us know what you think if this brings anything to mind in your life or in what you've been discovering because there's been a lot of people who've shared some really cool stuff shout out to brian he he lives up in upstate new york and you know a lot of what we were talking about when we talked about the peacemaker lay line and, and those ley lines that go up through upstate new york really resonated with him and he's from connecticut so it's interesting we have a, a connection there so we kind of he sent me some information that i still need to to look through so brian stay tuned for for updates on that
0: do we have anything else this past week for any listeners
1: no, no messages that come to mind. No, I usually save them in in my screenshots, and no, I don't see any. But you're driving right now. What's are you? You think you're going to make it to the cemetery while we're still on the call, or are you going to do that afterwards? I'm going to have to do that afterwards.
0: All right. I'm going to have to do that afterwards. But I'm very excited to to do it now, and particularly even more so after all of our conversation. Cause we don't, we have no idea what we're going to talk about. Like this is all spontaneous.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I totally, I feel unprepared, but that's kind of the fun of it too sometimes.
0: I, I would say that's completely the fun of it for me. <laughs> so we, uh, a couple more minutes. So anything else which you want to bring up or anything which you want to comment on? You said you saw the the metaverse video a second time, anything which you insightful would you like to share?
1: Other than the, the Kubrick connections. No, you know, I was, I was, I was ready to talk about that Wednesday and then something happened, but I'm kind of glad we ended up talking about all this, you know, after I went for a hike yesterday and whatnot, we would have, you know, everything happens as it should, but yeah, no, nothing that's off the top of my head. I do want to ask how the, Presentation, conversation. Did you guys end up talking about the metaverse on uh, Tinfoil Hat? We can let the listeners. On
0: tinfoil Hat. Oh, that was. Let the was, listeners was, know. Give them a little sneak so, peek. That was so much fun, and so what made it fun for me? Um, it's a whole lot less about the topic. Like we talked about a whole bunch of different things. So just to bring people um, up to speed earlier this week on Wednesday was the same day which you and I was the day which you and I were supposed to record. I was on tinfoil hat podcast with Ross, with Ross Ben. And so this blending of my energy, Sam's energy and Ross's energy. And then also Johnny and Xavier's was just, it was just a very fun thing for me to kind of see how that was navigated and how everyone's got very different perspectives i suppose right. on some of the same topics and so it was fun i encourage everyone to listen to it and and hear how and watch how it unfolds
1: yeah i i love it and that's why i wanted to ask because you know when i'm i'm setting these conversations up it's not my imperative to like you know, make sure the conversation goes the way we plan it. That's just there in case Sam or whoever needs to fall back on the structure. But when, you know, you and uh, Ross are on the podcast, no matter what podcast it is, it's going to go really interesting. And then combine that with Sam, Johnny and Xavier's energy. I'm excited to check that out. But yeah, it's always a delight for me to see like, you know, the, <laughs> what was planned and then what unfolds because it's never ever what was planned. I mean, never. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, exactly. Which is why I think we do the show the way which you and I do this one, is because it doesn't matter what you plan. Right. Because it's going to be what it's going to be.
1: And it's better off that way. You know, <laughs> if I tried to steer the show, it might not be as good as it could be. And I think I can even think back to like one or two guests that I thought you know oh this is gonna go great and then you know unfortunately it just didn't resonate and that showed me like hey you just gotta kind of yeah exactly it's it depends on it's 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 such a weird thing to describe it's like being uh you know a party planner you know you plan this party and then you, you don't know what's gonna happen you just hope that everyone has a good time and,
0: <laughs> and it's recorded for all of prosperity in case it's not. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's recorded. Yeah. And I, I don't really like party planning, so I don't know what that says about me.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, all right, my friend, or if I, I don't really have anything else, which I, oh, actually I've got one more thing. Can I tell you one more story I got for you? Yeah, please. All right. So, so you're, you're familiar with, you're familiar with the idea that like cat videos and the internet, like they, they go hand in hand. Right? Like YouTube was founded on cute cat videos.
1: Right. It's like fifty <laughs> percent of their traffic for fifty for...
0: percent. And the reason why that's true is because people like friggin' cute cats. And I gotta admit it, I'm one of those people. I'm a sucker for a cute cat. So right before, and, 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 and I'm not a crazy cat person, but you know, it's like, I, I like all animals. No, I've lived with live cats live my, my whole
1: life, so I totally there we resonate. Go, there
0: we go, So right before our call today, right before, and you've been in my house, so I'm on the upstairs and I'm kind of setting up. Actually I had a different call, which I was setting up before you and I I took this one. and And I was setting up and I was looking out in the backyard And there are four cats that live in my house. And for the most part, they're indoor cats. Sometimes they get out for a little bit. And I see in the backyard, what I see is a family of four cats. Like what I'm assuming are like mother-father cats and two kittens. And they are literally living and playing in the backyard of the house. I've never seen them before.
1: So four becomes eight. I don't know what...
0: (laughs) So that, like to me, to me, in my, in my system, in the value system, which I look at the world and I interpret things, I say, seeing the, the, the cat living in the backyard, happy as can be is a good sign for all that is to come. I love it. So that would, that would be the, the, the final message before our last recording before Christmas.
1: <laughs> right on. Yeah, and next week is uh, a big week, so yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do this Christmas, but I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about when we come back together in a couple weeks. I will have to see when when works for you. But yeah, Mike, it's been a pleasure starting this with you this year, and uh, here's to 2022, man.
0: There we go. We we, we made it through this year.
1: <laughs> right on. Lovely Lovely story there. I hope the cats and it, you know, you did point out it's been a very warm, warm winter. I don't know if it was like that last year too, but I don't know what that says about it, but maybe we'll talk about that next time. But yeah, best of luck to the new kittens and best of luck to you, Mike. Send me that picture. I'll be sure to post it for people to see themselves. Cause that sounds interesting. I'm, I'm picturing right. like a, an odd stump on top of a mound. I don't know what to expect, but I'm excited.
0: All right. That sounds like I've got my homework. You do your homework with your symbol, and we'll discuss it the next time we come back.
1: Beautiful. All right, Mike.
0: See ya. Have a good one.